Hey everyone, welcome to Grace Community Church of Willow Street's podcast. If you have any questions or want to learn how to be more engaged with our church, check us out online at gccws.net, or you can connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy today's message, and we are praying that it leads you into a growing relationship with Jesus. Well, good morning. Would you join with me in a word of prayer? Father God, it was great to be able to be standing here in unity with our church families. We were able to worship you and to celebrate your goodness and your faithfulness, not only to our church, but to each of us as individuals, Father God. And we are so thankful for that. We're thankful for this past week as we had the opportunity to have our community week to celebrate the past and the present and the future of Grace Community Church and the work you've done, God. We can't take any credit for anything. We are simply just trophies of your grace and we've been able to be a part of what you're doing and we are so thankful for that. We are thankful for Pastor Will and for Barbie and for the leadership and vision that they had to plant Grace Community Church 27 years ago and their obedience in going and doing that. We're also thankful for the charter members who stepped out in faith and went and helped plant Grace Community Church. And as they uh, made it become a reality and and just seeing what you've done, God, over the last 27 years and how they've kept their eyes fixed on you, and not allowing other things to distract from the mission of helping people know and follow Jesus. And so we are thankful for what has been done over the past 27 years and how you've continued to work. But we also pray for the future of Grace Community Church and what you're going to continue to do. Allow us to stay out of the way and allow the Holy Spirit just to be at work and to guide and direct of what your church is going to look like and opportunities that we have here in Willow Street to help Uh, people in our community, to come to know and follow your son, Jesus. Father God, we also want to pray for the present time here at Grace Community Church. Lord, we know that as we go about life, there are people that are dealing with struggles, that are hospitalized, that have physical ailments, that are dealing with things spiritually, emotionally, relationally, financially, Lord. And so we want to lift up and commit those to you, Lord, that you would be at work, that you would answer their needs, that you would meet them where they're at, that they would experience your peace and presence in their life, Lord, knowing that it can only be you, Lord. And I pray that as maybe perhaps they're going through valleys, Lord, that they would continue to keep their eyes fixed on you, knowing you are faithful and good. And it does not matter, Lord, that what we may be going through, that, Lord, that you are a good God, and that we uh, love you, and that you love us, Lord. And so we are thankful for that. We pray as we continue to worship here in this service, that your Holy Spirit would be at work, that you'd be speaking in and through Pastor Will as he shares his heart and the message that you gave him, Lord. I pray that the Holy Spirit would be working through our hearts and minds, that we would be open to hear the truth, and not only hear it with our minds, but allow it to be applied into our hearts, Lord, and God, that you would be able for us to be able to continue to allow us to stay faithful 
and, and uh, following after you, Lord. And so we just commit everything that is going to happen here this morning uh, to you, that you'd be glorified. And we pray this in the powerful name of your son, Jesus. Amen. I have a story I want to share with you quickly. So I'm the care pastor here at Grace Community Church, and one of the things I do is I do a lot of visitation um, in hospitals. And I remember back in the beginning of June, uh, day, the day after Pastor Will had had his major stroke, I uh, went into the hospital to go visit him. And I remember as I went into LGH and into the ICU and into his room, I remember walking in and seeing, without going into great detail, that just Pastor Will was not in good shape. And so I'm walking in the room thinking, how can I uh, encourage and care uh, for Pastor Will? And so I was walking over towards him, and I realized that his eyes were closed. So I was thinking, okay, it gives me a few more seconds to be able to figure out what to do. And so before I was able to say or do anything, Pastor Will opened his eyes. And he said, there's my good buddy, Jared. <laughs> and usually my job is when I go in, is try to encourage and care for people as they're in the hospital. But I can tell you that day that Pastor Will greatly encouraged and blessed me uh, with that. And so um, with great joy, it's my opportunity to return the favor and to tell you guys, here's my good buddy, Pastor Will. I hope some of that applause was to the Lord for the privilege that I am able to be here today and to share with you. Several months ago, Pastor Mike shared plans with me about this week of celebration, and at that time, he invited me to bring the message at the worship services this weekend. And of course, I gladly and enthusiastically said yes. But then it seemed that my health issues of June the 11th uh, might have placed those plans in jeopardy. But God seemed to be leading me to follow through on those plans. And I think he gave me a special message for this weekend. When that Pastor Mike asked me to share this weekend, he said uh, that the theme for the weekend is going to be returning thanks. And my mind went back immediately to my childhood days when my parents would host dinners for my uncles and aunts or perhaps a visiting missionary family, and Pop would usually say grace before we ate, and then we'd have a meal, and then after the meal, he would oftentimes say, now let's bow our heads and return thanks. Now as a young boy, that made a lot more sense to me, to say thank you after you had the meal, after you knew what you were gonna get, you know? <laughs> I can tell you as a young kid, I didn't like succotash. I've learned to like it now. But it didn't make any sense to me to, to uh, say grace in advance and say, Lord, thank you for what you're gonna provide for us, even that succotash. I didn't like to think about that. But it was really good knowing afterward that I didn't have succotash. And after we had had some of mom's good cherry pie and some vanilla ice cream, it was easy to return thanks after the meal. And so it, it was going to be easy for me 
to share after the fact of all that God has done for me personally and what God has done through us here at Grace Community Church. Because everything and everyone that you see here today, we owe to the grace and the power of Almighty God. All of this is far greater than anything we could have ever dreamed or imagined. Perhaps, at least most of us. My wife has the gift of discernment. And I've learned a long time ago that when she says something, I need to pay attention because she is able to discern things that I just somehow can't quite figure out. And so I remember the day that they dug the footers for our original plant over here, the original facility. And we walked over that, that, that evening and we looked at the footprint and all of that and she looked at me and she said, it's not big enough. She was right, uh, but I told her, well, honey, that's about all we can afford right now. And so uh, she had in her mind, she saw much farther into the future than I saw. And uh, so uh, this has just been a phenomenal experience, and we owe a great debt of gratitude to God for all that he has done. And Barbie and I repeatedly pinch ourselves and we wonder, is this really happening? Uh, and we realize how blessed we are to still be a part of this ongoing miracle. We are forever grateful to Pastor Mike that he allowed Barbie and I as founding pastors to stay here. Our denomination would have said, I cannot stay as a founding pastor because oftentimes that causes uh, conflicts and that kind of thing. But he asked me to stay, and so the denomination basically said to him, well, if that's what you want, if you have problems, don't come see us, <laughs> you know? Now, Mike and I were pretty sure there wouldn't be any problems. Uh, I was ready to retire as lead pastor, and uh, I, I was so glad that he was going to be my, my uh, successor. Uh, and we had worked together in denominational experiences, and we knew each other well, and we trusted each other, and we believed that God was in that decision. And so we were privileged to remain behind here and still continue to be a part of, of that, uh, this ongoing miracle. Uh, he asked me if I would stay on as a visitation teaching pastor, and I said, well, yeah, I'll do that for a number of years. I have a little problem sometimes with math, and uh, those few years ended up being nine years, but they were nine wonderful years, and they only seemed like a few years because of the blessings that we were privileged to experience here. And it was such a joy for me to see how this church embraced the very core values that were part of our founding DNA, the core values of biblical authority and of body life, and uh, the idea that, that we are a family here. We're brothers and sisters, and we love each other, and we care for each other, and we desire the best for each other. In the previous service, my brothers and sisters and in-laws were all seated up front here, 
and they've been such a wonderful uh, support for Barbie and I. But I remember saying in a sermon some years ago that if I wanted to, I could probably pick a fight with just about every one of them because in the midst of, uh, uh, of that large family, I have brothers and sisters who are pro-lifers and pro-choicers. I have brothers and sisters who are Mennonite and non-Mennonite, who are pacifist and non-pacifistic. And uh, I could find a whole probably reason that I could pick fights with, with any one of them if I wanted to. But to preserve the unity of our family, that's so much more important to me. And that's the way it's always been here at Grace Community. We want to preserve the unity of this family. And God has allowed us to do this for these past 27 years. It's just been such a wonderful experience. And the love of God flows deep and wide throughout this congregation. And so it's such a a blessing for me to see all of that. And one of the things that we set out uh, initially was that we wanted to be a community of believers that cared for each other and helped each other. One of our early slogans was Grace Community Church, where community is more than just a location. And I saw that community life on display while I was in Lancaster Rehab Hospital and also Brethren Village as various people volunteered to pick up Barbie at our home and bring her to the rehab facilities to visit me and then take her home after she had the visit so that she wouldn't have that extra stress of having to drive to and from Lancaster Rehab or Brethren Village. I've seen it with folks who volunteered to mow our yard while I was unable, and while she, who oftentimes did a lot of the mowing of our yard, because uh, she loves to do it, but she was so preoccupied with caring for me. I've seen it in how they not only provided that transportation, but now since we're home of the meal trains, and I know it's not just for us, because I know there are other meal trains going on right now for families that are going through struggles, and those meals are being provided. And... One of the beauties of, uh, of this whole experience has been for me to be able to join the church live stream services. And so I really never missed any of the services here. I heard most of Mike's and Paul's sermons on the, on the book of James. And I remember the Sunday that Pastor Mike preached on James chapter 2 when he talked about faith and works and how he chided you as a congregation to say, you know... If you say you have faith, but you aren't backing it up by your good deeds and your works, you're just blowing wind. You're, you're really not uh, uh, doing anything uh, that, that uh, suggests that you really know what you're doing in terms of your, your faith. And I'm here to tell you that you folks are the real deal. Your faith has been backed up by works over and over again. And not only that, Yesterday, I finally got through my, all of my cards that were sent to me, over 350 of them. And on more than one occasion, I opened a card and it said, you may not know me, we've only been coming to Grace Community Church several months, but I know you and I want you to know that our family is praying for you 
and for your wife and for your family. You don't know how much that meant to me to know that that many people have been praying for me. And so thanks came naturally as I looked back over my life, as I realized how God has been so good to me and my wife and family personally, and how God has been so good to us as a church here at Grace Community. But suffering a major stroke two months ago put all of this into a new perspective. How do you say thanks for a stroke? That's something I wrestled with. And I'm going to be honest with you here this morning that I can tell you that thanks was not my immediate response. As I lay, lie in bed there in the Neurotrauma Center of Lancaster General Hospital, trying to come to grips with what had happened in my body, realizing I couldn't lift my right arm at all, and realizing I couldn't lift this right leg at all, uh, thanks was not the response I had. And so God and I had some, some arguments. But you know, when you argue with him, you never win. But I said to him, God, I had a brain bleed. That's a cerebral hemorrhage. Why didn't you just take me? And then I would be in heaven, and I'd be whole again. And I heard him say to me, Will, you want the easy way out but that's not my way. And then I brought, brought to mind the first sermon that Pastor Mike preached in this series on the book of James when he talked about reading the book to his granddaughter about bear hunting and going through the tall grass and going through the river. And it reminded me that God's way is not around the troubles of life. God's way is through those troubles. And uh, God really brought that to my mind. And then he brought to mind that many times when I would visit with people in the hospital and share scripture with them, or visit families who were going through a very difficult time, perhaps a loss or whatever, I would read from Isaiah 43. And God reminded me that he wanted me to now read that for my edification. And this is what I would read. But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. And when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Since you are precious and honored in my sight and because I love you, I will give people in exchange for you, nations in exchange for your life. So do not be afraid, for I am with you. I tried to tell God that he could get much more glory for himself if he would simply miraculously touch my right side and make it whole again, and that I could walk out of Lancaster Rehab Hospital on my own without a walker or without any other means of, of uh, support. And uh, he said, no, I want glory for myself, and this is how I'm going to get it. 
as I show you how I am faithful and how I will help you through life's difficulties and then give you the opportunity to share that message with the congregation at Grace Community and with nurses and with therapists. And so that first night that I was at Lancaster Rehab Hospital, the beds there were not the best, and I didn't sleep real well. And uh, I had my phone with me, and God brought to mind a song that I had on my, on my phone. And I listened to it. It was a song that had ministered to me many times before, but now it was ministering to me in a whole new way. A song by the Collingsworth family, now, the words of which go like this. When life lets you down and you feel more broken than whole. I thought, well, that's me. I feel more broken than whole. I'm a broken man. My body doesn't respond the way I want it to anymore. And uh, this, is, this is just not a good thing. When the wounds go deeper than words and you feel you can't tell a soul. I may not know what you're going through may not be able to make that high mountain move. But one thing I've found that I really want you to know, if it matters to you, it matters to the master. He wants to share the burdens you bear, whisper peace when your world gets shattered. If it's your greatest joy or your deepest pain or you're really needing an answer, if it matters to you, it matters to the master. Friend, do you think the maker and giver of life is far too busy to care about your troubles and strife? He sees the sparrow that falls to the ground and he hears the tears that don't make a sound. If you only knew how precious you are in his sight, if it matters to you, it matters to the master. He wants to share the burdens you bear. Whisper peace when your world gets shattered. If it's your greatest joy or your deepest pain, or you're really needing an answer, if it matters to you, it doesn't only matter to you. If it matters to you, it matters to the master. Those were encouraging words to me. You see, my stroke was a total surprise for me and for you, but it didn't take God by surprise. He didn't will this to happen to me, but he allowed it to happen to me because of a weakness that I had in a artery in the brain and had a brain bleed. And he knew exactly how he was going to minister to me through that and how he was going to bless your hearts and encourage you as I share what God has done in my life as he has used my stroke for his glory. Now, I'm not saying that I'm glad or happy that I had a stroke, but I can see many reasons to praise God for his grace and providence through this whole experience. And let me just quickly summarize a few of them. I'm amazed and thankful to God for how quickly I realized that I was having a stroke. I realized I was having some numbness in my fingers and I rubbed my left hand over my right hand like this, and I thought, I don't feel that. That's not normal. And then I went to walk, and my right foot was numb, like I had been sitting on it, you know, when you say like your foot falls asleep. 
and I'm thinking right hand, right foot. This is probably neurological. I don't know what a stroke is like. I never had one. Never had a family member that had a stroke, but I think I'm having a stroke. And I was working in our garden out behind our backyard. And somehow by God's grace, I was able to walk across the backyard, across our patio, and into the house and step up into the kitchen and tell my dear wife, honey, you need to call 911. I think I'm having a stroke. And then she had me sit on a chair in our dining room area there. And as I was sitting there, being the curious guy that I am, I saw my iPad lying on the kitchen counter. And I thought, if I can get up and get that iPad, I'm going to Google stroke symptoms. Maybe hoping that what was happening wasn't a stroke. But anyway, I went to stand up, and this right leg totally failed me. And I went down like a sack of potatoes, head first, into the floor. I couldn't stand anymore. And I went to get up on my hands and knees and to get back in that chair, and this right arm just totally collapsed, and my right knee would not hold me. And so... The fact that God helped me realize I was having a stroke was genius because within 20 minutes of the time that I felt something wasn't right, I was in the emergency room in Lancaster General Hospital. The ambulance came and they made a, a fast trip to Lancaster General. And uh, I can tell you, riding in an ambulance was not on my bucket list. <laughs> and I can tell you, they're not the most comfortable ride, but we made a fast trip to Lancaster General Hospital. And I don't remember much after I got into the emergency room, but my wife, our son is a physician's assistant, and she called him after she called 911, and he was there before the ambulance was there. And uh, he heard my symptoms and all, and he said, Dad, just relax. He said, I think you had a stroke. And the EMTs came and uh, quickly loaded me up. And uh, Barbie and my son met the neurologist in the ER. And the neurologist said, Mr. Martin has had a very serious stroke. And it's going to be touch and go for the next several days whether he will survive. And that's, I didn't know that until... Sometime later, they told me all of that. But I did know that I was a very sick man because I knew I was in the trauma neuro unit. And uh, so I uh, am glad that all of that happened quickly. And then we knew that I would have to be moved to a rehab facility. And we said, we would love to go to Lancaster Rehab Hospital because of the very good reputation they had for stroke victims and brain injuries. And... Uh, they called over there and they had a bed for me, miraculously, uh, and they, they admitted me, and uh, that, was a, that was a godsend. I had some of the best therapists in the world, and they were able to help me begin to start functioning a little bit. And uh, I remember the first day that I walked 30 feet holding onto the handrail in the hallway. 
And after the 30 feet, I was so tired. And I sat back down in my wheelchair and I looked at them and I said, I am always going to be grateful to you for what you have done for me. And they said, and we're going to be grateful for how you have worked so hard. And then I said to them, now I know you are skilled at your trade. And I know I have worked harder than I ever worked in all of my life to do some of these things in therapy that you've asked me to do. And I know you have said that for the severity of my stroke, you are amazed at the progress that I am making. I want you to know it's not just because of your skill and it's not just because of my hard work. I have thousands of people praying for me and that's why this is going so well. And I've had that privilege of sharing with nurses and with therapists over and over again, sharing my testimony of how God has been good and how God is strong and faithful. So I was admitted to Lancaster Rehab, but it's an acute care center and it's very costly. And my insurance company said, we will only keep you here a short period of time. You'll then need to find another therapy place. And so I asked the, uh, uh, the, the, the uh, social worker at Lancaster Rehab, where, were you, where are you thinking of, of trying to get me in? And they said, Brethren Village. And I said, well, that's wonderful. You see, Barbie and I have had our names in at Brethren Village to join that retirement community for probably the last five, six years. And we knew that our name was coming up in the near future. And so uh, my son called ahead and spoke to the social worker at Brethren Village and said, I am Brian Martin. My parents are Wilmer and Barbie Martin. And uh, uh, they have their names in at Brethren Village. And we were wondering, would you have a bed for him in the rehab center at Brethren Village? She said, well, just give me a minute. And she came back on the phone and she said to my son, of course we have a bed for your dad. Your mom and dad already are a part of the Brethren Village community. And they gave me a very nice room in their skilled nursing unit. And I was privileged to be a part of some phenomenal uh, physical and occupational therapy there at Brethren Village. And so... While I was at the uh, rehab center hospital, my wife got a call from Brethren Village from the marketing director. And she said, uh, Miss Martin, she said, uh, we have an apartment for you and Will. Uh, can you come out and see it? And Barbie said, I can, but Will can't because he is the patient at Lancaster Rehab Hospital. He had a stroke about a week ago. And uh, so I was moved into the skilled care center at Brethren Village. And one day my son got me in a wheelchair and took me down to the apartment complex at Brethren Village and wheeled me around through the apartment that they were planning to have us use. And I was thrilled to see it. And it was so exactly what I would have wanted in so many ways. And so Barbie and I, later this year, will become residents of Brethren Village Retirement Community. 
a lot of good things with God through this whole thing. I am dominantly left-handed, and so I've had no problem eating. Uh, <laughs> I would see other people at rehab who had right-side-affected strokes with their forks and spoons with kind of like a, a foam rubber handle about that big round uh, on their fork and spoon, and as they would try to hit their mouths, and it all goes down over the front, I ate the same way as I always ate. And so that was, that was a good thing. And I was able to sign documents, which I had to do, because I'm left-handed, I could do that. And so I'm glad that my stroke was a right-side-affected stroke. Furthermore, right before I left Lancaster Rehab, one morning they said to me, you're not going to have therapy this morning, you have a doctor appointment. And I'm thinking, well, who's, what doctor am I seeing? Am I, is my neurologist coming in to see me? The house doctor there had seen me almost every day, so I didn't think he was coming in to see me. A man came in, don't remember his name, but he said, I'm an ophthalmologist, I'm here to check your eyesight. I thought, wow, what? What's going on? Uh, I, I thought my eyesight was pretty good. And he said to me, he said, do you have any double vision? I said, no. He said, well, many people who have strokes in the left hemisphere of the brain get double vision. Now, uh, I'm glad that I didn't have that issue. And furthermore, he said, uh, uh, a lot of times they lose their peripheral vision. So he said, look at my nose. He said, how many fingers do I have up out here? And I said, two. He said, good, then your peripheral vision is fine. So I, I had no loss of eyesight. Uh, I had no cognitive issues. Uh, I uh, was aware of what had happened to me. I was aware of my surroundings. I was aware of my family. That doesn't always happen for left side stroke people. In fact, my home therapist, uh, her mother had a stroke two years ago and she has not been able to talk since her stroke happened. I've been able to talk right from the very beginning. Uh, I would say in the first 12 hours, maybe a little bit of mush mouth. Uh, didn't quite come out the way I wanted it to, but it was understandable. And now my speech is, is pretty normal. I still have numbness on the right side of my face here. I feel like I just got out of the dentist chair and he had shot that whole uh, right side of my face full of Novocaine. But uh, other than that, my speech is, is pretty normal. And uh, I have to just be a little more careful to get my words out correctly because this doesn't want to quite function the way it always did. And so I've been glad that I am able to talk because if I couldn't, this wouldn't be happening. And I've also been very glad for my supportive family our son Brian and his wife Jill, who live locally, our daughter Christina and her family in Naples, Florida. Chris has come flown up twice since my stroke to be with me. We have FaceTimed each other, and she has uh, been called me regularly and been such an encouragement to me. And uh, uh, one of her good golfing buddy gals, uh, her, her husband had a stroke, and this lady had found a book called Hope After Stroke to be a very helpful book for her. And my daughter, through Amazon, 
ordered that for us and I found it on my doorstep. And it has been a very, very helpful book to understand what has happened to me. Yesterday I was reading that book and the author was saying that all of us have billions of brain cells and that when a stroke occurs, you might lose about 2% of those brain cells that, that die. 2% of a billion, that still means I've got a lot of good functioning brain cells. <laughs> and, and what happens is that the brain cells near the area where you have had cells die, they begin to start functioning and taking over where those brain cells died. And what I'm in the process of doing with my therapy is relearning those, those message paths. And uh, it was initially when I first started to try walk with a walker, which I am able to do, I would have to literally think, now Will, move your left foot forward. Now pick up your right foot and move it forward. And I had to think about every step you guys jump up and move and don't even think which foot you're going to step out with first, you know? And I said to one of my therapists, I said, will this ever come natural again that I can just get up and walk? And she said, yeah, it will. Said, uh, it'll, that those, the, you have muscle memory that will come back and you'll be able to start walking. And now when I walk with a walker, I don't need to think too much about my right foot and my left foot, it just kind of is coming naturally. And I would have walked out here this morning with my walker, but when I'm nervous or tired, uh, which I'm probably a little bit of both right now, uh, uh, I get a little unsteady sometimes, and I certainly didn't want to have a fall here. So it made more sense for me to come out here on my wheelchair. But I'm getting home therapy with in-home therapists, and they continue to be amazed at my progress. And I've had doctors and therapists tell me, Will, for the severity of your stroke and the marvelous uh, progress you have made, they've said, we think someday you'll be able to return to your pre-stroke activities. That's very encouraging to me. And when I consider that when this first happened, I couldn't even stand alone, they would use a mechanical device to get me out of my wheelchair into my bed or from my bed to the wheelchair. And now I can stand up alongside of my bed and get in my bed. I can stand up and get to my walker and start walking. Uh, I could stand up just even now with, with one arm and get up here, but I don't have anything to support me and I don't want to try risk of fall. But I've seen the amazing progress when I look two months back from where I was then to where I'm now, it has been absolutely amazing. And God has been faithful. And I have found his grace to be more than sufficient. I'm not normally a very patient man, uh, and uh, Pastor Mike, you have more patience than I have. I was thinking about this the other day. When we were supposed to have our very first service, we had a snowstorm that Sunday. It was in February. And uh, we had to cancel. 
And I had to wait a whole another week to be able to finally do our first service in our facility over here. You've had to wait two years because we were planning on having our 25th anniversary celebration and then COVID came and messed up everything and we had to delay it till now. So your patience is really good and I'm, I, I, I commend you, brother. So, <laughs> but anyway, through all of this, I have found God to be very gracious and very faithful. And I've had opportunity after opportunity to witness to doctors, to nurses, to therapists, and to show them that what you see in my life is because of God and thousands of people praying for me. And so it was easy for me to return thanks and to use that theme as I looked at what God had done here at Grace Community Church. It was easy for me to do that prior to my stroke, but could I do it even after my stroke? Some of you know that if you saw me on a Sunday morning and said, well, Pastor Will, how are you this morning? My response oftentimes was better than I deserve. And I want you to know that if you ask me that this morning or tomorrow, my answer will be the same. I'm doing well, better than I deserved. You know, the glory goes to the Lord for all that he has done through my life and all that I have seen him do here at Grace Community Church. I'm reminded of having heard Dr. Robert Lamont, a Presbyterian pastor from New England. I heard him speak about 30 years ago, right about the time we were thinking of planting this church. And he said that when he was a young boy and they would walk to school, he said, every once in a while, we'd see a turtle sitting on top of a fence post. And he said, we knew he didn't get there by himself. And he said, as he looked at his ministry, he said, that's how I see myself, the turtle on the fence post. And that's how I see what has happened in my life and what has happened through me and God's grace at Grace Community Church. God has proven himself dependable and faithful. God loves us more than we can even begin to imagine, and he will never leave us nor forsake us. His grace is sufficient for our every need, and his strength is made perfect in the midst of our weakness. One of Barbie and my favorite contemporary gospel songs is the goodness of God. And if you've ever sat near us when we sing that song in worship, you will note that we hold hands. Barbie, you want to come out here? We would hold hands as we'd sing that song and we never quite made it through as tears would roll down our cheeks as we would think of what God has done for us and all my life you have been faithful. And all my life, Lord, you've been so, so good. And I still feel the same way even after the events of these past several months. So whatever you're going through, whatever you have gone through, I'm here to tell you that God is faithful. And I've learned that truth firsthand. 
And I'm here to be able to praise him and still say, in all my life, you have been so, so good. I know I've shared these words of a song by Babby Mason on several occasions with you folks, but it comes right back home again. The words of which go, our Father knows what's best for us. His ways are not our own. So when your pathway grows dim and you just can't see him, remember you're not alone. God is too wise to be mistaken. He is too good to be unkind. So when you don't understand, when you don't see his plan, when you can't trace his hand, trust his heart. I've learned to trust his heart and know that he is a good, good God. And he doesn't forsake us. He doesn't abandon us. He doesn't leave us. And so I've experienced that firsthand through the good times of life and the not so good times as well. And I trust you will find that to be true in your life as well. So let's sing together that great song, The Goodness of God. And I want this dear woman to be with me and we're gonna hold hands, we're gonna try to get through this song without crying too much. But I want to praise God for his goodness. We're just going to ask you to be seated for just a couple minutes, and we're going to sing one last song and, and celebrate this day. But I just want to, well, man, I just, uh, I just want to say I love you, brother. I love you, too. I love you. And I'll tell you what, I dreamed of the day when, when you would come into this church and we could sing the goodness of God, because early on, that's what you said. Yes. I want to sing the goodness of God. Now, on the way home last night, uh, Jenny said, you, you need to do something, and, and I did it earlier, and I'm going to do it again, and I want to tell you something that blessed young, young couples, especially throughout the congregation. But Jenny said, you make sure that tomorrow you, you look at Barbie and you thank Barbie for all that she has done and the way in which she has fulfilled, and together you have fulfilled the marriage vows you took 57? Yes. 57, 57 years ago. 57 and a half years ago. And Jenny said, she said, you need to say to all the young couples out here, if you want to see an example of faithfulness in marriage, you look at Will and Barbie. And you see that example. And young couples leaving the services have been saying, that blessed us, that blessed us. So thank you, Barbie Martin. Thank you, Will Martin. What God hath wrought in Amen. Terry Hill, and I know New Holland, but you had to go up to Terry Hill to get her. Yeah, what God hath wrought. Amen. Oh, it's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing. And over these last several months, Barbie has reminded me of our marriage vows, you know, she said, this is the part that we said for better, for worse, in sickness and in health. And I tell young couples, you know, when you make those vows, you have no idea what you might be facing in the future. But be faithful, and God is faithful. And I'm here to tell you, I love this woman more than I did the day I married her. And next to knowing Jesus, 
She's the best thing that ever happened to me. And I just thank God for her. And Mike, knowing you is good too, but this... <laughs> You'll have to take, stand in line, okay? Well, I'm not going to kiss you as much no. as you kissed at 9.15. No, no, My no. word, they were kissing all the time up here at 9.15. Yeah, I yeah. finally said, that's enough of that. But anyway. So. That, that's, why we, that's why we didn't do it here, because oh, I didn't oh. want to say that. That's that, your Mennonite background there, but yeah. uh, certain things that you didn't, didn't do, you right? Didn't do it so, in public, yes. Apologies to anybody yeah. from a Mennonite background. But anyway, so. Yes. Now listen, um, I think you ought to tell the therapist that you preached four times this weekend. That'll get you credit for something this week, right? Well, what you don't know okay. is the, my nurse therapist with Bayada Healthcare, which is providing my home health care. I found out she was a believer, and I shared my testimony with her. And she said, oh, I'd love to be there and hear you in church. She was here at the 915 service wow. with her husband. That's cool. And she just, she just was overwhelmed. And she said, she said, I don't know that many people who've had a stroke could have done what you did. She said, are you sure you can make it through the 11 o'clock service? <laughs> and I said, yes, I think I can. If I can sit down, like, and I told Pastor Mike that, I said, I don't think I can stand for all three services or all four this weekend, but if I can sit, I think I can do it. And I said, if Charles Stanley can sit to preach, <laughs> I, I can sit to preach. He's a whole lot older than you, yes. so that's exactly right. And, and he didn't have a stroke. Yeah, okay. So, but, uh, <laughs> right, and, uh, right, that part. <laughs> yeah, and, and anyway, I can tell you I'm not exhausted I have felt energized, and uh, I know I will take a nap this afternoon. <laughs> I will too, but yeah. I mean, I just, not because of anything I did this morning, but okay. anyway. So. But uh, Now, you know, you've been here, you've preached four services, so I think you could come in a half hour late tomorrow to the office, okay. and then we'll just get working on some stuff, because okay. now you're back. I have a list for you. Well, I'm sure you do. Yeah. I do. Uh, I just want you to know that if I come back, you'll have to push me around the church to all the meetings and everything I'll else. push you. We have an elevator. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. It's very easy to operate. It has first floor and second floor. Okay. So, yeah, it's pretty easy. Yeah. Um, we are looking at the reason we are here in part. Now, we return all thanks to the Lord, but the Lord had to call a couple to leave a place and go and pioneer a new church in 1995. And that's what he did. He called Will and Barbie Martin to lead 35 people to leave a place and come here without any of the amenities of a church and start a new congregation. Would the charter members of Grace Community Church who are present here in this service please stand right now so that we can thank you for your service and your ministry. Charter members up here in the balcony, right here in the front row, across the front top of the balcony, right here on stage. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for the vision that God has given you. Listen, we could from this point on sit on our laurels and say, look at this, but we're not going to. God has called us to continue to go. We have a mission statement and a vision statement I want you to see on the screen. The mission statement is helping people know and follow Jesus. The vision statement, 
Through that mission, we envision the development of a healthy, growing, multi-generational church. God has brought that to pass. That has multiple services. God has brought that to pass with multiple sites supported by the resources of a larger GCC network. In the next year, we'll be developing the GCC network. We're already supporting and relaunching the ministries at Bethel EC Church in Conestoga, and also our vision is for Pequot EC Church in Whitehorse. You will be hearing the invitation to consider being part of a team of people who go to either one of those churches, making a one-year missional commitment to help those churches get momentum and relaunch and grow as gospel-centered, community-focused congregations. We're going to be calling our people to consider, is God calling you to missions? Our men, is God calling you into the ministry? We will not stay still. We will continue in the DNA of Grace Community Church to go and to bring people to a saving knowledge Amen. of Christ. Amen, brother? Amen. 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 That's what he's done. That's what he'll continue to do. I know that we're at the mark that some of you consider might be the end of the service, but we have a song that we want to sing. So stay with us, and let's sing together what he's done. Would you stand with me as we sing and celebrate what he's done Amen. in our lives, in our midst? Thanks for listening to today's message and choosing to spend some time with us today. To get more information about Grace Community Church, our service times, and our location, check out our website at gccws.net.